Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization that mobilizes the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Donations to the United Way stay 100% locally in our community and get invested in more than 40 community-based programs. These programs help students achieve academic success, families to be self-sufficient and financially stable, and vulnerable households to get their basic and emergency needs met. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit uascc.org or call 716-483-1561. Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell talks with us about the state of emergency declaration he made to prevent new migrants from being brought to the county. We also discuss a draft report on the Industrial Development Agency, a change to the county's bed tax, and more. Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell joins us in the WRFA studios this morning, so welcome again. Thank you so much for having me. So the investigative post ran a story that the Jamestown Post Journal then picked up about this draft report by the State Authority's Budget Office that was highly critical of the Chautauqua County Industrial Development Agency spending. They cited $250,000 of, quote, inappropriate and questionable discretionary spending, and then they highlighted some of those expenditures in the report. Uh, including a reimbursement of $30,600 for the use of a personal vehicle and $18,429 for a membership and other expenses at a local golf club. And and it kind of went on. There was a whole bunch of bullet points of things that they mentioned in there. IDA CEO Mark Geist did make a statement at the IDA board meeting this week saying that the IDA was working on addressing recommendations and complying with requests by the ABO. Can you tell us any more about what's happening with this report and with the IDA's response? Well, first of all, <clears throat> very disappointing that a state organization would come in um, from the Authority Budget Office, uh, send out an, <clears throat> an initial <clears throat> internal report, as it was told, a confidential report. And when asked and the, the question uh, was raised by the IDA, you know, where did this come from? Obviously, you know, we didn't leak it. And Jeff Perlman from the ABO said, I don't know, it had nothing to do, didn't come out of my office. Yet Jeff Perlman was quoted several times in the article. So I beg to differ. Um, you know, we're looking into that. Very disappointing that you say something is uh, confidential and then you leak it just for the sensationaliz- sensationalization of, you know, the article. Uh, but you know there are article there are pieces of that that you know the IDA was already looking into. There are things that they were looking to change. Now, this is the first time we've had this audit in 50 years. So uh, you know there are some things that you know needed to be changed. Uh, obviously, I don't know uh, you know where the ABO is standing on the, they they put the article but haven't had a you know they'll have a, an engagement. They'll be back and forth as to our response to them. Uh, plans for correction, etc. So for them to leak something like this and take it for, you know, you, you heard me say it last night, they're looking at the headline, they're not looking at the article, right? They want to say that the, the atrocities questionable spending. But what I think is really, uh, you know, pertinent here is, uh, you know, they want to throw that out there, but there was no wrongdoing, there was no nefarious activity or illegal activity. Uh, it paints a very bad picture. We know that. We're, you know, the, the IDA is, is aware of things. Um, it's just disappointing. Now, the ABO has a tendency, and they are a very uh, strong critic of industrial development agencies across New York State. So this isn't something that, you know, is unique to Chautauqua County. In fact, uh, you know, I've gotten word. Uh, you know, once we heard we were part of the audit, said, oh, it's your turn this year. So this is a, a, a tendency of, of the ABO. Nothing wrong with people coming in and, you know, looking at and or criticizing how we do our operation. It's only going to make the department better. Um, but you can't look at that as if they're, you know, spending monies on yachts and vacations and all the, all the like. You know, the IDA does a tremendous amount of, of activity in Chautauqua County and making sure that those deals come in, you know, to the county and, and you know, you know, working with uh, developers and projects. So, um, you know, it's a concern, certainly. We are, you know, I'm concerned about this, and, and I've talked with Mark Geis, and they're formulating their response and getting back. Just unfortunate that, you know, this goes to, ironically, it leaks to investigative report, but, you know, nowhere else in New York State does it get leaked. So, disappointing, but, hey, it is what it is, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll react to it. So, when it comes to audits, typically, if I'm understanding this right, it's, it, it's like other financial audits where there is an audit done, they commu- the, the auditing group commu- communicates with whoever they're auditing, 
And then you, in this case, the IDA then would respond, and then eventually we would see a final report. That's typically what happens. Am I right? Correct, one hundred percent. So we would anticipate that it, it, under a regular circumstance. We wouldn't have heard maybe about the story until the report came out some months from now. Correct. And that way you would have, you know, their findings, the response, their finding, our rebuttal, what, what have you. But this was just a, uh, you know, and, and it was kind of throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. And unfortunately, but nonetheless, you know, no one's walking away saying, we, you know, they're, they're taking ownership of the criticism and they'll make the corrective changes going forward. And uh, just I'll remind listeners that I, I have reached out myself to the ABO to ask when they plan to release this report. They have not responded to me, but knowing that, that I think Mark Geis mentioned that there is a June 1st deadline for the county's response. So I imagine that maybe some months from now that we'll get more information. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on to other IDA news. So um, as I mentioned, there was a board meeting this week. And there was some big movement toward an effort to create a new shovel-ready site in Chautauqua County. Founding, we, we knew that it was probably going to be somewhere in North County and found out that it was going to be in Ripley. Mm -hmm. So uh, what, what is the development of this site happening? Well, we finally got, gained the um, control, if you will, of, of uh, the properties in phase one. It's a two-phase project. Uh, phase one, uh, over 100 acres, I believe, for a shovel-ready site. Um, you know, putting in, uh, stubbing in a road, sewer infrastructure, getting all that in there is, is rather costly along with the property uh, values itself. You know, so we are having those shovel-ready sites. Uh, you know, this is something that's been in the work now for over two years. Uh, it was something that, you know, Mark had talked to me about and we really keyed this up more once we heard that um, Amazon was looking at property in Chautauqua County back during the COVID pandemic. And Ripley was that site they were looking at, so we want to make sure we have those shelf-ready sites should it become available uh, again. Obviously, criticisms from people on the outside, you know, we're not doing anything for this, and, you know, look at what happened when we did have a shovel-ready site with the spec building. Well, we're doing everything but the spec building. Uh, and, you know, to build that kind of building and, and let sit there for years vacant isn't appropriate, so we'll have the, the site ready. And I'm very confident that uh, the way it'll be marketed and the availability to, you know, uh, Interstate 90, to a rail line that's close by, I think there's a lot of pluses for that property. So really excited about the future. Right. And I did, looking, I grabbed my notes here, is it you know, 147 acres? So uh, what the IDA approved, and, and if you correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like phase one was uh, acquiring uh, 64 of that 147 acres for about $2.8 million. So there was mentioned that there's a lot of sources of funding that are established that there was the $4.8 million from ARPA fundings that the legislature allocated for this, as well as that there is um, $830,000 from a capital projects fund and that the IDA and the county are going for other state and possibly even a congressional funding as yeah. well. Is there a total cost for how much this project would be? I believe right now it's right around $11 million. So that's, you know, the, the rough figure that we've been, I've been given thus far. Uh, and to your point, you know, we're, we're turning over every stone where we, you know, the IDA has you know, saved money for this. They've been saving up. This isn't something they just, you know, we'll, we'll go with our hands out and try to get every bit of, you know, from donation or, or you, know, uh, you know, sincerity and contribution. But they are, you know, making sure that monies are set aside. They're, you know, investing things properly so we could get this property. And that's what they've done. So excited. You know, we did spend time with Senator Schumer and Senator Gillibrand. Uh, this was something uh, that is uh, pertinent to their, something that, that comes out of the Senate, uh, not necessarily applicable to Congressman Langworthy, but um, Senator Schumer and Gillibrand will be championing. And they're really excited. They, they, they like the project. They really think the value is there. So, uh, again, we're going to take every bit of uh, you know, opportunity we can, as much funding as we can, to limit you know, the burden on any taxpayers and uh, you know, move forward. And really, in the hopes is uh, you know, we're announcing a, a new development here sooner than later mm -hmm. and mark guys mentioned that like part of getting that the, the bigger fundings from the state were dependent on acquiring this property correct and you know it, it's really about buying you know there's a lot of projects a lot of things we've been doing here in chautauqua county and you know you can go as a county or a municipality and say well we're going to do this we're going to do this we're going to do this but people want to see do you have skin in the game are you going to put your money where your mouth is and we've been doing that and we've demonstrated that um, when you look at the tenacity of what we've done in the project we've gone after uh, it shows our congressional leaders and our Senate leaders that we are doing, you know, what we say we're going to do and we are investing in, and we do have skin in the game. We're not just waiting for grants and we'll take advantage of the grants if they come. We're going to make things happen on our own and try to get the ball rolling.
Mm-hmm. They were in uh, Chautauqua County. There are, I think, Chadwick Bay Industrial Park, Mason Industrial Park, and Stoneman Industrial Park. I think those are the three. Mm-hmm. Were there was there room in those parks to do this kind of expansion, or just you know, is there, if, if you guys essentially ran out of space? I think we've essentially ran out of space. Uh, you know, it's it's very unique. Uh, you know, Stoneman's right down the road for me. At the uh, Southern Tier seems to be <laughs> increasing their footprint there, but there's other a lot of other businesses. Allen Fire Extinguisher. You know, I think Chautauqua Hydro Seating is there. Um, Southern Tier Distillery, another division of Southern Tier Brewing Company, uh, quality manufacturing, uh, QMI, you know, good friends of ours, mine as well. So really excited. But you know, from the railroad tracks to B- Big Tree is really the area. It's very hilly. So you know, what what can go in up there is rather, rather challenging. The same with Mason um, in Chadwick Bay. You know, again, somewhat uh, limited as to, to the amount of property. So what we want to do is have that area to say. You know, it's you know, 60, 60 acres is great. We really need 150 acres. Boom, we got it for you. So that's that's where we stand with this. So, yeah, the other ones have kind of run out of space, unfortunately. And it's just great. You know, we don't, we don't have any more room in our industrial parks. That's great. So, um, you know, this is really exciting for the opportunity here. So last week, uh, you declared a state of emergency that bars housing additional immigrants in Chautauqua County, and you weren't alone in this action, given I think that every county in western New York except Erie County did the same. Has there been indication that this area could experience a large influx of immigrants? That's the reason for this state of emergency. It went on the record last night very disappointing that one of our legislators spoke out and said this was an anti-immigration bill or an anti-immigration statement. That could not be further from the truth. When one of our legislators reached out to NISAC, they responded to her as, you know, you need to talk to your county executive. Chautauqua County has been dealing with this longer than any other county in New York, except for the city. This, pro- this, this started with us back in November. We did, we were made aware that somewhere between 35 and 70, you know, migrants have come across. Uh, they did come across illegally. They were detained for a period of time at the southern border, then they were paroled. Along with that, they then were filling out, or they claimed asylum here in the United States. Uh, so they are asylum seekers. The question that people have is this, they did come across illegally. That is the fact, they are undocumented. The United States confiscated their passports and immunization records in certain t- cases at the border. Um, there were no background checks done to our knowledge. They weren't pro- you know, vetted to what extent, we don't know what extent they were vetted, but they were given a phone after two months, paroled and said, you're free to move about the country. Um, we've had people here and our local faith-based organizations have been helping tremendously. I know St. Luke's Church is a, is a large uh, supporter of this, not to mention many individuals. So we've been working with that. Back in November, I asked the governor, what can we do to change the eligibility status for them to work? They need to get to work. They want to work. I shouldn't say they need to get to work. They want to work. That's what they're telling us. So uh, we asked for that. We asked for funding. Nothing has happened. You know, crickets, really, from the governor's office. We reached out to our congressional members. We reached out to Senator Schumer's office. Um, Again, had a conversation. The mayor of Jamestown was on, along with support staff of these individuals, and those providing the support with the White House Intergovernmental Affairs Office. They told us what to do, X, Y, and Z. We went and did X, Y, and Z, and they looked at us and said, who told you to do this? this? This isn't, we can't do this. So the White House had no idea what could or couldn't be done. Very disappointing. But our groups have stayed here. They've worked as best they can. They've actually, through the generosity of individuals in this county, have made it back and forth to their court hearings. But we're found those court hearings are adjourned until next year. So how do you have a person, a man or a woman, trying to provide for their family, coming here to the United States, and we're going to do all these things for you, but you can't work. So sit back and relax. They're not that type of person. They came here for a better life. So that's kind of like the background with this. What we're most concerned about is the mayor of New York City, as a sanctuary city, has about 37,000 individuals in shelters right now. What he's saying is it's breaking the back of New York City and we can no longer take it, so we're going to send them to you. Well, none of us can do it either. There is no support system. Before I declare the state of emergency, I reach out to those helping these individuals. And they said, point blank, no, we cannot take anymore. You've got to tell them we can't take anymore right now. Under our current situation, situations change, funding becomes available, there's more infrastructure. Yes, we can look at other opportunities. But right now, no, we can't do that. So it's it's disappointing. There are people in the community, you know, leading into the fear, if you will, saying, you know, we're talking deportation and people are scared when they see this. 
Well, you have to, first of all, pick up the phone and call me. Now, one of our legislators did. We had a great conversation, Susan Parker and I, and explain what's going on. You know, we've had the most experience out of other counties. So, you know, we conveyed that, but, you know, when, when you sit at the legislature meeting and on the record say this is an anti-immigration act, please read the article, not the headline. There's nothing in there. In fact, I was very specific to say this does not affect those migrants who are currently here or asylum seekers. It is for those who New York City wants to send up here and dump on our doorstep. And that's what it is. Well, we'll pay for them. Okay, where's the check first? You know, that's the type of thing. What happens if the hotels get destroyed? What happens if things, you know, go wrong? What is their medical background? What's their health history? What's their immunization history? There's a myriad of things that are growing concern. And all we're asking, the, the states of emergency, which are bipartisan across the state, is just asking Mayor Adams to stop, keep them in the city. They were just given a billion dollars in the governor's budget. Um, part of me is, you know, Crimea River, right? <laughs> You're getting a billion dollars to deal with 37,000 people. You know, we've got 80 and we get nothing. Uh, and I can't stress enough the generosity of people in this community has just been unbelievable. Um, you know, they've helped, they've, they've given them food and shelter and clothing and transport, transported them places. Um, but again, the governor finally came out in her press conferences saying, we need to, I'm going to ask the governor, the White House for a change in their work status um, and, um, you know, increase funding uh, in a plant. So that's what we're doing. You know, the, the state of emergency is just that to prevent municipalities from reaching out, uh, you know, and getting a contract themselves with New York City and also prevents the hotels from you know, entering into a contract. You know, because again, whether it's a hotel or, or, or either one of the cities, they don't have the support systems to deal with the situation. You know, once they're here, the supports come from the county via the state you know, program. So again, we are working together. I've reached out to both mayors. Um, you know, Mayor Sunquist and I have spoken. He is in agreement with statements I had made all along. What we need to ask, we've had of, of the mayor and the governor. Um, he just, you know, openly said he did. You know, wasn't uh, in favor of the state of emergency. That's okay. I understand that. I spoke with Mayor Rosas too. He said the same thing. We cannot engage in in more unless we have the the proper infrastructure and funding. So that's what we're looking to do. Well, we'll support the governor and try to get the. Uh, Try to you know move the needle on this to get people eligible to work. That's that's a critical part. Right. Um, Erie County Executive Mark Polenkars, who I mentioned that you know they are the only county that didn't in Western New York that is that didn't uh, put out this uh, state of emergency declaration. He said in a press release that he's been advised to ex expect an unknown number of asylum seekers and that the cost for housing, food, and support services will be paid by either the state or New York City. So when the, your thirty days is up on your emergency declaration, is this something that if this is true for Erie County, that you would say to Governor Hochul or and Mayor Adams, hey, you know, we're, we're on board, and if you if you're going to give us money, well, we'd have to look at that. That's the question: is it is it about is it all about money? Um, you know, if you look at the governor, she has been trying to combat the social determinants of health, poverty, um, health access, health inequity. You're sending these people. Let's say we get a hundred. You're sending 100 people here and setting them up for failure because you are not correcting. You're, you're, we don't have jobs. You're, put, you're putting them into poverty. You know, we have an FQHC and we have a local uh, a hospital that they, by law, are required to help these people. But again, you're, you're throwing them into an area where they're, they're you know, with, with the states of emergency, they're concerned. Um, they're, you know, anxious about, you know, whether they, they're going to come here or not. It just... So to say we would take him if, it, if the money involved, no, because we're still not looking at, we're still not solving the problem. All they want to do is throw money at it, you know, and, and we've talked here. So for example, you know, let's say there's a hundred rooms occupied in Chautauqua County. Now, how many of those rooms were already uh, reserved for, you know, the, the Memorial Day weekend or the 4th of July weekend? Those rooms, in, in many cases, reservations have you seen have been have been revoked and people have to now find other places so we would lose um, our we would lose the sales tax because this a municipality in new york nor the state is going to pay the occupancy tax or the sales tax they never have when we go to conferences as a county entity or cities or villages go there's a there's a you know sales tax exemption form um, and that same with occupancy tax so we would lose those two sources of revenue. Also, we have to keep in mind that tourists are going to different economic impact than people who are here just living with very meager means right now. So, you know, you look at the lack of revenue that we are 
banking on every year because we are a tourist community. And now you couple that with an increased cost to the county for providing these services. So really it's a lose-lose for the county financially. And again, are we helping these individuals? Well, we're getting them out of air, you know, Mayor Adams here because, well, he can't possibly do it. You look at the resources he has, much more than we have here. What's really indicative and people really isn't, I'm not sure if people here know, Oneida County, uh, County Executive Anthony Pacenti um, speak quite often. They have a refugee intake center in Oneida County. They have refugees from all over Europe, Bosnia, uh, Afghanistan, Croatia, different cities. There are 50 different languages spoken in Oneida County. But he's even said, Governor, we can't take it. We are a professional organization that has years of experience with this. We're maxed out. We can't take anymore because the system doesn't allow for it. So for them to send more people here is one, irresponsible on their part, and two, just disrespectful to the people that are trying to say, we want to help these people. We have never talked about deporting any of our immigrants or calling, uh, nothing, nothing has been done like that. So, you know, it's bothersome when people say, oh, this is what we hear. Why would you hear that? This never, that's never come from my mouth nor the legislature's mouth. But secondly, you know, the irresponsible uh, actions. If you look at it, you know, Mark Polencars is Mark Polencars, right? He's going to do what he's going to do. Um, disappointed, personally disappointed. He's the president of the New York State County Executives Association. We haven't had a meeting. We haven't had a dialogue amongst the, the committee or the organization to discuss the situation. You know, it's sit back. Our conversations with the governor has been the governor's staff behind a screen. Uh, they can't see us. There isn't the typical Zoom where you see bodies, you see watch, you know, expressions, etc. They speak to us, and unfortunately, you know, the governor touted this ability. Oh, I'm going to meet with the county executives. We're going to have a discussion. And you know, her Jackie Bray, director of emergency services, said, "Well, the governor's time is valuable, and she has to leave after 15 minutes." Wow, thank you. You know, we're all dealing with this, but I'm sorry, you only have 15 minutes to discuss a problem that is statewide and really a problem of their own making. So. Um, disappointed in that respect from the governor, but I do support what she's asking, and that is to change the migration, to change the work status, and to have this, the cases heard by federal judges much sooner. Mm-hmm. When, it, when it comes to support services, I think because there's some people have confusion, and I, I, even myself, and you know, do, do migrants who are coming in, can they get Medicaid? No, no they so are they, not. That's, that's why we're yeah, asking yeah. to change the status. Once these, these cases are heard, then we can start to qualify. They, they, and that's the other point. They, they don't qualify for anything, whether it's federal or state right now. It's just, you know, they're, they're kind of in limbo. And, and how unfortunate, how disappointing is that that, you know, we're going to ship them somewhere just to get them out of our hair. Oh, we'll pay for them. What are you going to pay? Is there a limit? I mean, are we going to put them at the Harbor Hotel at, you know, a, a higher rate and a much, a much more, um, you know, maybe a five-star hotel as compared to, you know, three or two or three-star hotel somewhere else? We don't know those things. Um, so it's disappointing. It, it's, it's a lot of lip service. And now if you look at the mayor, by statute, anybody in a New York City shelter must be provided for by New York City in perpetuity. As long as they're in a shelter, so they have to be funded by the city. Well, now he's trying to declare like shelters taking away the shelter status. So let's say the question we've had, and no one's given us an answer. So we've, they've sheltered people, kept people, rather placed people in elementary schools. Is that an official shelter? Because if you send those people to Chautauqua County, can you back and say, oh, it wasn't a shelter, sorry, you're on your own. That's the concern we have because there has not been any transparency or honesty um, from the state nor Mayor Adams. Disappointing, spoke with uh, Orange County County Executive Steve Newhouse. And the, the mayor said, we will not send anybody to Orange County. And only in, in, after the sun goes down, he ships busloads of people to uh, Orange County. Disappointing that that's, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the, the mayor, uh, you know, in his position of, you know, 37,000 people, that's less than one half of 1% of his total population, and he can't handle that. I think that's his concern with the federal government and the, you know, governor of the state of New York really shouldn't be a burden on Chautauqua County or Onondaga County or Genesee, Wyoming, Monroe, anything. Um, but bipartisanly, um, there has been a tremendous amount of support. You know, whether Monroe County is, is a, uh, you know, Adam Bellow is a Democrat and same with Albany and Dan McCoy. They both signed the states of emergency. And the states of emergency are very similar across the state. Um, and it, we've designed that specifically, but 
as we said, we're the only ones that said, not with the current people we have here. You know, we want to protect them. We want to make sure that they are safe and that they are, you know, getting the services. Should Kathy Hochul somehow be successful in getting the federal government to expedite the work visas, um, which is something the Farm Bureau said they support as well. Do you think that this is something that you, like I, I keep coming back to the, would you change the declaration? But if that work visa, that I know that's an important piece, but if that changed, is that something you would say, okay, we'll, we'll look at this more? Well, definitely. You know, we, we've said... The work visa's changed. I talked to people over the weekend, you know, manufacturers here that own large businesses. Yeah, I've got room for 30 people. Another one said, I can take 30, I can take 15. We could put everybody to work that is within this, this asylum seeker group right now. Of that group, there's, you know, university professors, there's, there's um, you know, nurses, there's highly skilled professional people. Let them get, there's jobs here. People will take them. They've all said it. And, you know, the comments we've heard from the groups that are working now, Unfortunately, Americans don't work too hard. <laughs> you know, these people are willing to do everything. Uh, you know, they're working on farms. They're highly skilled professionals that are doing whatever they can. Uh, yes, there's a, the, our, our Farm Bureau is very supportive. We did have a meeting Tuesday inviting many different organizations. The Farm Bureau was one of them, although they weren't able to attend. But, you know, we will put them anywhere you know, if they want to work. And, and having said that, would we change the model, you know, it, the model in the state of emergency is to prevent New York City from sending the people. Um, so we'd have to look at that again. And, and if we realize that that, that, know, that option isn't there for the city, yes, we'd be looking at things differently. Again, you know, truth be told, a week ago, yesterday, two weeks ago yesterday, I was sitting at a conference and several of us county leaders were at, at a different uh, for NIMER. And you know, Steve Aquario, the executive director of NISAC, looked and he said, you know, what do you think? Do we, should you, you know, another county was asking, you know, do you declare a state of emergency or not? I said, I don't know what it's going to do. You know, at that point, we just didn't know. But now you hear, oh, there's, you know, groups coming out and looking at the, the possibility of 500 to 1,000 people coming to Fredonia, SUNY Fredonia campus. That's a grave concern, yes, because we don't have support for the 80 right now, let alone another 500 or 1,000. So, yes, then, you know, when I heard this information and reached out to those involved saying we can't take anymore, that's when I declared the state of emergency. It's not to prevent people from coming here or asylum seekers or migrants. It's preventing New York City from dumping them on our doorstep and walking away saying, but here's a package and we're out the door. That's, that's a, you know, what this is about. So would we look at things? I've already said, would we sit down? I would love to sit down with carts and say, okay, what, what can we provide? Can we provide a very low rate or a no rate, you know, for these people for a certain period of time? If it's, you know, they're working at Cummins or SKF or Hope's Windows or different places in the county, can we provide assistance now? And then once they're on their feet, you know, get back to a, some normalcy? We're willing to do and, 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 you know, research anything. That's, you know, the bottom line. Just right now, it's just we're, we're, our hands are tied, and uh, you know even the governor said it. Interestingly enough, you know five years ago, if we would be talking about this, they'd ask for my resignation and looking at charges. Why am I harboring, you know, undocumented immigrants and asking and trying to find them work, you know, in violation of New York State labor laws? Well, now five years later, just giving an arbitrary number, it's called humanitarianism. So it's a unique, you know, twist as to how this goes, but. You know, nonetheless, we are a welcoming community. I don't want people to think any other, any other, anything else than that or otherwise. Uh, it's just we need to be able to take care of these people. That's the inhumane piece is you're just jumping them here without any, any way of taking care of them. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't, it just kind of connects to what we were just talking about, but I was like, I got the State Department of Labor's unemployment rate for April, and it's 3.2% in Chautauqua County, which is, I, I, I can't ever, I don't think I've ever seen numbers like that. Um, I also noted that was April. This is before summer tourism season really heats up around here and people are looking for their summer. It, how concerned are you for our, our tourism sector here for being able to find the people they need to work for them? That's a big concern. And this is a concern we've been talking about, whether it's county government, municipalities, private sector, everyone. We're looking for employees. We know there are people here, able-bodied people in, within Chautauqua County and surrounding areas that are can work for whatever reason. They're they're not. Um, we need help from everybody. I mean, this is an all hands on deck. Uh, you know, we talked yesterday. Uh, you know, we have limited numbers of attorneys. You know, here in Chautauqua County uh, for opportunity. You know, social workers, licensed social workers, RNs, healthcare providers, everything. You know, we're 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 at a need for everything, but. 
the the sad part about it, and I, and I hate to keep going back to that, but you know, right now there's a bill in 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 Albany that it has it will not accept reciprocity uh, for nursing licenses. So we have nurses that live in Pennsylvania and work in New York, but now New York is saying we're not going to recognize your Pennsylvania license, although we've we've recognized it for years now. But we're not going to do that now, which is going to change the healthcare in Chautauqua County. And why? Well, we want to get more nurses in, in New York. Governor, it's not going to do it. <clears throat> You're shackling the people that are providing care. Those are the types of policies that have been enacted in this budget that people don't know about. That's the disappointing part. Right now, we have a limited amount of lawyers and attorneys that you know applying for positions with even Chautauqua County. 18B is um is a payment for attorneys um i believe in conflict so again they could pick up some side work for whatever reason that they may not be able to be represented or prosecuted you know through by somebody in chautauqua county and, and our system that charge that fee of 50 dollars to 75 dollars an hour went up to 160 dollars an hour plus who's who's going to work for you know in in our county when you can make you know 20 hours a week uh you know for a year is 163,000 very much part-time, 163000 So I'm sure people like your expression, why would I work for the county every day if I can make this on the side? Those are the types of policies that happen in this budget that the governor said, this is a great thing for New York State. How? How is this great? It makes no sense at all. So to your point, yes, we're very concerned about the opportunity for people to be able to be employed. Yes, 100%. Because as we know, those, you know, whether tourism all needs, whether it's maintenance crew, cleaning crews, all those things, you know, we need people for those jobs. They're not meaningless jobs. They're not degrading jobs. They're jobs that need to be, you know, performed, uh, you know, across the board and, and it's uh, it's good that our, number, our our rates are that low, but yeah, when you're looking, you know, if we have low unemployment and we're still looking for 500 or a thousand jobs for the upcoming tourist season, that's a that's a big concern. <laughs> I know Chautauqua talks about it all the time, Michael Hill, and uh, you know, and that's only one small. It, it's kind of a microcosm, but they're you know kind of a concentrated area that used to have you know hundreds of college kids that would come in and converge and live in the institution and work on the institution grounds. Those numbers are diminished, so yeah, it's a growing concern without a doubt, and. Uh, you know how we come to that that, that problem i don't know i mean minimum wages increased you know tenfold i mean i you know back in the ancient days i was you know minimum wage in 1988 was three dollars and 15 cents and uh you know it is what it is so uh yeah growing concern excited those numbers are good you know they're low but it's a concern because there are many many um jobs out there that need to be filled Mm -hmm. Continuing on tourism, uh, Assemblyman Andy Goodell is carrying a request to renew Chautauqua County's 5% occupancy tax. And there is an amendment that was made to how the revenues uh, should be distributed for the 2% of the 5% for lakes and watershed. And this is something that came up at the county legislature meeting last night where they pass a resolution. It's, it's one of those weird things. They support pass a resolution supporting these bills in Albany, which I, I, normally we'd be like, oh, that's a motion, but no, this was an actual resolution. Mm -hmm. So how does this affect the county budget or organizations who have historically received allocations on the, the water uh, shed from the water funds, I guess? It's a like so, management, yeah. So, uh, so really, <laughs> no, it's, and it's a great question, Julie. Yeah. So, you know, there's a 5% tax in occupancy. 3% of that is going to travel and tourism. Now, compared to other counties, I can tell you, you know, they always want to compare us to Erie County. Here's one. They only put, uh, I believe it's 12% back into, 12 or 35%. Let's say 35% goes back into the industry. I mean, 65% is sent where? It goes back into their general fund. We spend 100% of the funding going back to um, the occupancy tax uh, into our, our industry for our travel and tourism and waterways. So what the assemblyman proposed is he wanted to have more um, language in there that uh, requiring the funding go into more in-lake, in-water projects. Uh, if you look at the, the numbers coming out from the Alliance, 56% of the funding over the last five years has gone to watershed projects. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it last night. You know, the watershed projects are things that are gonna take time. Very valuable, yes, a necessity, certainly, but you don't see it as you will herbicide treatments or harvesting in Chautauqua Lake. Uh, let's say we were to be qualified to dredge the lake. That's a very noticeable difference immediately. Whereas the watershed, much like our sewer project, it's going to take time to reap the benefits. But they, they are there and they will be there. 
Um, so what the assemblyman, and we focused on this before, and it was kind of startling to me that we spend that much in the watershed. Um, so in our watershed projects, would, would that be uh, impacted? Certainly, would that be diminished by what the statute is going to say and the, the rules of that money? Yes. Um, but, you know, that also op opens the opportunity to do more in-lake research and more in-lake funding. So, you know, excited on both ways. It's, it's not a losing situation. You know, I'm sure those who, you know, are in the watershed are saying, you know, you're taking our money, you're taking our funding. But at the end of the day, you know, it's really redirecting what we're doing and just, you know, from from the assemblyman's point is making sure we focus on that going forward. Uh, so that's what we'll be doing. Um, again, you shouldn't see any impact this year and even into next year as we start next year's budgeting season for our projects um, for, you know, lakes and waterways that, you know, those funding sources will be there and we should still be able to, you know, move in the same direction. Mm -hmm. Understanding that the amount fluctuates year to year on how much that 5% occupancy tax comes in, about how much of the 5%, that 2%, how much is that usually what is received by Chautauqua County? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I think um, we're looking at about $2 million is what the numbers we've been giving. For total? So, for yeah, five? for total. For okay. five, so for the 5%, it's about $2 million. And then we, you know, we, we allocate that accordingly. You know, money goes to this um, Chautauqua County Visitors Bureau. We have other agencies that get direct, you know, funding from that already. From, from that the money, three? From the 3%, yeah, and 2% as well. We already, and then the 2%, you know, we do have a scoring mechanism for projects coming up. I mean, you know, people criticize um, that, but you know, we do look at all the projects and how much of, a, of an impact it'll be, and how basically leveraging the money. You know, so uh, you know, fifty thousand dollar investment could yield a two hundred fifty thousand or a five hundred thousand dollar project. That's what we're looking for. Uh, so. Again, you know, there's there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of uh, time in, that goes into these and, and uh, the review of the projects. And uh, you know, there's more projects than we have money for. So yeah, you know, again, that's why I was pushing. You know, the increase in the occupancy tax. It would give us more funding for those projects. Legislature felt otherwise. Uh, so you know, unfortunately, and I would agree with with uh, you know Bob Scudder last night was just a you know. A little bit of political theatrics you know we want to make an amendment because we don't like what you know we we support the bill but we just want to have that that you know at the end of the day if you're opposed to it then stay opposed to it you know if you want to make an amendment because you don't agree with it then you know then you have you're within your rights to vote against it um but to put up an amendment and then vote in favor of it kind of gives a real weird mixed message in my opinion and Unfortunately, you know, time was of the essence last night. That needed to be passed so this could get into, you know, get on the docket for, you know, the, the end of the session in Albany. So, um, and again, the other thing is if once this is passed, if we want to go back and change it, we can always go back and change it. You know, the assembly said that, you know, there's the ability to go back and, you know, change the wording and the verbiage. But right now, this is what he, you know, he believes. And, you know, the legislature overwhelmingly supported it last night. So. Yeah, we're excited that, uh, you know, again, we'll continue that funding source, uh, yeah. you know, for a while. I saw that um, in, the, in the state bills that they changed, they shortened the time for the extension to the end of 2025. So when do you have to pass? Do you pass the extension in 2025 or get the request in 2025? Well, we've, we'll have to put it in again. Like, right, our, our, our uh, the, every, it's every two years. So this will expire in November of this year, which, you know, if you go back to the argument some of the people were making when we were looking to increase it, oh, it's going to happen this year. It's not. <laughs> read the article. Don't read the headline because the current structure stays in place throughout the summer tourism season and doesn't go into effect until December 1 of next year when our, our tourism is much, much less than what it is right now. And then next year we'd be able to ramp up and, and had that passed, we'd be able to accommodate that. Um, so again, this would go into effect December 1 uh, of 2023. And then again, we'd be back at this again in the, uh, the, this time in 2025 and start the process. And, and where we were, if you go back to, you know, when I originally proposed that, um, the increase, that's the time frame when we need to get the ball rolling, if you will, to get everything, you know, without a rush, getting it on the docket for um, you know, the Senate and Assembly to, de to debate the bills and discuss it. So there's been good news this week. Uh, you were at the celebration at Cummins on Monday for the production of their 2.5 millionth engine. So uh, tell us more about, about that event for you, yourself. For me, I, I'm sitting here getting goosebumps. You know, I could tell everybody, I, I was a, a child of Cummins engine. You know, we, we moved here from Hagerstown, Maryland. My dad was hired as a team advisor, worked there in, in management throughout Cummins in different you know, positions. 
you know, put in some some new lines, machining lines. Uh, back when it first started, Cummins Engine, um, it was a really a machining plant. They did a lot of, uh, you know, whether it was I think. Uh, uh, lift levers, or I forget what they're called, and they did, you know, they manufactured heads and, and ma- machine blocks and pistons and, and camshafts and crankshafts, and there was a lot of machining that went on flywheels that, that took place within Cummins Engine. And it, when, the, historically, the, the assembly didn't start until late 70s, early 80s, and they were building it by hand. Um, you know, maybe 10 a day, uh, if that. So, um, things have ramped up. If you, you, if you walk along your timeline, I mean, it took them from the time the, the company came here to I think somewhere around 2000 to build 500,000 engines. From 2000 to now, they built 2 million. Uh, in that plant itself, this isn't Cummins worldwide, this is in the Jamestown engine plant. To build 2.5 million engines um, in the 50 years they've been here is phenomenal. Uh, and the investment, you know, the, this is I think the key. Uh, it's investment in infrastructure and the facility to stay for another 50 years. You know, Cummins isn't, you know, they're a Fortune 500 company. They're not going to invest half a billion dollars if they're not happy with what's going on, if they're not happy with the workforce, the ability to work with county and, and state and local governments, uh, you know, to getting projects done and finding funding and assistance, et cetera. So um, really excited. I, mean, I can't say enough about it. And, and I'm, I'm excited because, you know, I, I've, you know, I'm not a big fan of everything going electric. I mean, let's face it, I, I won't deny that. You know, the infrastructure is not there. There's just so many, and this is, a, this is the idea of a small group of people. Okay, maybe nationwide there's a large, larger group, but you know, to say by 2050, we're gonna go, everything's gonna go to battery powered. We don't, it doesn't, we don't have the capabilities right now. We're not even close. Um, so having said that, there is, you know, a natural gas engine developed by Cummins. Now, being the old guy, 20 some years ago, I, when I first got out of college and worked there, you know, temporarily, they were looking at the technology of a compressed natural gas engine. So they've perfected it, and now they're looking to produce it. And I said, you know, I think I've said this before, you know, the first natural gas well was found in Fredonia, New York. In essence, we are the birthplace of natural gas. So what better place to create a natural gas burning engine than right here in Chautauqua County? Really excited about that, but more so, right next to it was a hydrogen burning zero emission engine that they've are it's working it's it's not a dream it's not a concept it's a reality now the concept and i talked to one of the engineers is to you know fine tune that and make sure that we produce that engine here in chautauqua county would love to see low emission zero emission right here in chautauqua county showing that we are part but unfortunately until that happens you know, we're, we're still you know, relying on, on, on fossil fuels, but we are making that push and just, but really so excited about the opportunity. Um, yeah, I asked the question, how many people are here 20, you know, 20 or more years, hands went a lot of them. I think I saw a couple of hands that were there for more than 30, uh, which again is a testament to, you know, the culture of the company, how they take care of their employees, et cetera. So yeah, really excited. Um, to be honest, when I walked in there and saw the old, the old block line was gone and, and ready for new machining, uh, kind of reminded me of what the plant looked like when we first came here in the, you know, 1977 or 79. They had a family day. We could tour the plant. I remember just how open it was. <laughs> and, and over time, how it filled and, you know, it cycled in and out. But just so excited. The leadership from Anna Dibble is, is really incredible, you know. Uh, consistently ranked in the top 250, you know, leaders in Western New York of business and Buffalo Business First. Um, she worked her way up, came in as an engineer. Now she's the plant manager. She's just been promoted, so she's going to be uh, working at a, at a higher level in the cor- Cummins Corporation. But you know, just I can't say enough about her leadership and her team there. They work together, great group, and just excited about the way we can work with them and assist them in any way. So you know, a lot of partners: Empire State Development Corporation, Chautauqua County, Town of Busti, everybody you know involved in uh, you know what's happening here in Cummins. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think I thought was interesting, what Anna Dibble, well, she expanded on it from what another speaker mentioned about this messy middle when it comes to electrification and where that comes is with the diesel engine and then also with the natural gas and that, that it's going to be a process. Do you see, I mean, what Cummins going through is kind of like an example of what many companies are going to be going through? 100%. 100%. You know, some you know major car makers have you know pushed, we're going right to electric. But... Did you really try to fine tune gasoline? Did you try to fine tune 
You know, I know back in the day, Chautauqua County Sheriff's Department, you know, their engines were powered by compressed, I believe it was LP gas. So back in the 80s, when you heard a sheriff's car come, there was a hissing more than it was the, the rev of an engine you would hear now. So uh, the technology's been here. We've, we've taken advantage of it in Chautauqua County. Um, so why aren't we looking at more compressed natural gas for, for automobiles? Um, I don't know. You know. Could we? What's the opportunity of a hydrogen burning engine for a you know regular domestic vehicle or passenger vehicle? Um, you're right. I think at the end of the day, there is going to be a messy middle. You know, I think you're going to you know flood the you know if you start to flood the the, the market with electric vehicles, you know the support and the infrastructure, it is a mess. <laughs> How do you you're going to be fighting over charging stations and, and different things? So, um, you know, I think what I the what I like about Cummins and what's what's been most encouraging is, you know, although it was put you know in the press that Cummins is going to electric. By 2050, <laughs> there's a process, right? We're not going there tomorrow. So I like the fact that they're looking at developments of compressed natural gas now. They're looking at a hybrid diesel, and, and hybrid is this different type of diesel um, fuel to be burned. And then you're looking at hydrogen. And then by 2050, we'll start to look at the development of battery powered. But to force it and say, gotta go all battery, can't have anything else, Freedom of choice. I mean, we're kind of taking that away from our our our, our individuals. So, uh, yeah, there is a messy middle. Uh, but you know what? Cummins is just so resilient in what they do. I, I, if anybody can navigate it, it'll be them. And really excited. I'm I'm excited to see what developments are going to come. You know, I saw you know uh, some of the young engineers that are there, the minds, the way they think, the way they work. Um, just excited to see what's going to happen in the next twenty years here with Cummins Engine. Mm -hmm. Back in February, I think it was like a 70 degree day. We uh, were all out at Barcelona Harbor with uh, yourself and Congressman Nick Langworthy, and you, you had made a plea, you know, to get help for dredging out the, the harbor there. And you had an update in your Monday memo. Yeah, we were out there last week. Uh, dredges came in early part of last week. They were they were actually moving in. We saw them offshore. Um, town, uh, Supervisor Bill sent me a picture. I was really excited. Um, had staff going by, really hadn't seen any dredging taking place. Uh, you know, a week ago, earlier in the week, no, about a week ago, yeah, we were there. So it'll be interesting to see how much progress they've had. Really excited. You know, Senator Schumer and Gillibrand started the ball rolling, got the funding for this. So um, we made it, but, you know, the tenacity of Congressman Langworthy and the way, you know, the, the working relationship we have uh, is really incredible. Yeah, when he came here, you know, back in early February, he's like, you know, what are your primary concerns from the federal government? How can we help you with this? And um, boom, you know, Barcelona Harbor, that's, that was key. That's the Barcelona Harbor's basically shut down. Um, the, and the reason I looked at that is because that, that there were steps already taken. The money was there. The process was going. We needed to speed it up. Somebody needed to kind of give a little nudge to the Army Corps and say, let's get the equipment here. Uh, in a call with the Army Corps, they said, well, we're waiting for the state. You know, in, in typical county executive Wendell fashion, I picked up the phone and, you know, hit mute and took my camera off. And I called the DEC and talked to Julie O'Neill, who's a phenomenal, uh, you know, partner in, in the DEC in the county. I said, Julie, what are the chances we could get in here earlier than July? That makes no sense. Let me look at account executive. Within a couple of days, she came back and said, boom, we can get you in as early as May. Does that work? Really excited, yeah. Um, so it was, uh, again, a great combination of, of, of work uh, you know, between the senators and then most recently with the congressman and you know even with the DEC. So really excited. The dredging is taking place. Uh, concerned that they're taking the material three to five miles offshore and dumping it. So unless we change the structure, which we're already working on, but unless we change that structure, it's gonna be back here sooner than later. The interesting piece that people have to realize, go to Barcelona, and five years ago, none of that was there. That whole landmass that you see inside the breakwaters, it was not there five years ago. Those have been the seiches that we've heard and seen over the last couple of years. So, excited. Uh, we do have engineering studies that we're gonna be you know, going for funding, um, putting in a request next year. Um, those those re, those engineering not engineering studies are engineering plans, and once those engineering plans are in hand, it helps us leverage funding because there's EPA funding coming out. There's money that we're told will be you know will be um, released shortly. So if we have those plans in hand, we're at the front of the line, ready to you know apply for that funding and the opportunity. So again, really excited. Um, you know, soil and water has been a big partner uh, in the future, but yeah. Just can't say enough of what's happening in Barcelona. Really exciting. So yeah, so the future plans, those are to do future like um, stabilization or what kind of work are you looking at? Um, 
I apologize. We're kind of getting away from the original question you asked. Yeah. But really excited about everything we do here in the county, right? Uh, so we're looking at engineering projects that are going to you know, benefit Barcelona Harbor, Dunkirk Harbor, Hanford Bay, and Sunset Bay. So this new request is really going to be stabilizing and investing in stabilization stabilization of sediment across you know this northern border of chautauqua county right on on lake erie um you know it's often been thought you know lake erie has its own funding there's all this there it is but you know we can still do work and, and get things done and we still require local effort we can't just rely on the federal government um so soil and waters reached out and we're looking at the sedimentation um, traps, if you will. There's projects in Presque Isle, there's large boulders offshore. And if you look at an aerial picture of Barcelona Harbor, where the rocks are, they're kind of coming out like a jetty, there's no sedimentation on the backside. But behind our, our vertical structures is where the sedimentation has come in. So the belief, it's been proven that those rocks are absorbing the wave energy plus you know, letting the sediment penetrate down through the rock as compared to hitting that breakwater and coming over top and settling on the backside. So again, um, technology abound, uh, ancient technology, putting rocks there to stop uh, you know, the energy and the sediment. So uh, excited that you know, these, these uh, projects are moving forward. Um, and again, it's, it's gonna benefit the entire Lake Erie shoreline in the northern part of Chautauqua County. But you know, the original piece, Barcelona's getting dredged. I know uh, I'll be up there uh, this weekend, so I'll be excited to take a look and just to see how much progress they've they've accomplished. Uh, this uh, piece, this will air uh, today and then also during Memorial Day weekend. And will, will you be taking part in any of the Memorial Day services happening? You got it. Um, actually, I'm, I'm traveling uh, to Albany uh, today and uh, I'll be back home. Uh, I'm going to an event Friday night and driving through the night to make sure I'm back here for the Blue Star Mothers event at 10 a.m. Um, Saturday morning at Veterans Park. Uh, Blue Star and Gold Star Mothers always put on a phenomenal event. Susan Raleigh does an amazing job and, and all of our local dignitaries coming out to support. And, and I want people to remember that we always talk about this, right? There are picnics and celebrations and excitement about enjoying the lakes and, and family and friends. But we're also remembering those men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our country. So we, we can't lose sight of that. But, uh, you know, my personally, I'll be at, um, uh, I will be at the Gold Star, Gold Star Blue Star Mother event in Veterans Park on Saturday. The town of Geary has a parade at 115. I'll be taking part of that and then back in Jamestown Monday morning for the annual Jamestown Memorial Day Parade. So excited about, uh, you know, spending time with people in Chautauqua County, but really a great deal of pride to see the people come out and show support, um, you know, for those, you know, those who have fallen and those we've left behind. So, uh, again, you know, uh, a lot going on. Yeah, I know there's events in Dunkirk as well. Their ceremony takes place prior to the parade. So in Dunkirk, they have a ceremony. I believe it starts at 9, then the parade at 10. Uh, I can't remember exactly. So, uh, yeah, a lot. And there's certain other towns and villages are doing things. I know Lake, uh, Lakewood Bus Die in town of Ellicott do you know, something at Southwestern School. There's a bus dive parade out in the town of bus dive near the hamlet. So a lot of activities, a lot of remembrances going on here in Chautauqua County. So really, you know, just want people to take time this weekend and amongst the, you know, the partying and, and enjoying the friends and, you know, fellowship, we'd still remember those who, you know, paid the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our country. Right. County Executive, anything else that you want to add? No, I just, you know, thank you for the opportunity. This is, uh, you know, always good to share the information and, and giving us a, a platform to, uh, you know, as, as I say, you know, speak, you know, explain the article, not just the headline. So I, I appreciate that. And, and all of our, all of my opportunities to talk to residents is really appreciated. Mm -hmm. Well, County Executive Wendell, thank you so much for coming in with be with us today. Thanks for having me.